0: This is a recording for the Church of the Resurrection. We are an Anglican church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Our worship includes the proclamation of God's Word, the regular celebration of the Holy Communion, and an expectation that the Holy Spirit is active in the church in our lives. Please join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Boys and Girls Club on 824 East 14th Street. Father, uh, we thank you for your goodness, that you are the forgiving Father who welcomes back the lost son, who rejoices, and all of heaven rejoices with you at when those lost people are restored, Uh, that all of heaven rejoices. Lord, we thank you for your pursuit of us. Lord, make us fishers of men. Pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you give the person who has everything? Do you have any friends like this where it's hard to buy them gifts, friends or family? Maybe you have a family member who is very wealthy, and you're like, what do I, how do I get a gift for you? You, you, Anything that you want, you buy for yourself. What do I get for you? I can imagine being invited, well, I can't, but like picture being invited to a dinner party at Warren Buffett's house. Okay, and this guy who's worth many, many billions of dollars. And you, you go shopping, you go to the liquor store, and you find the nicest wine that you can even think of purchasing. And you bring it, and you present it to him, and he's like, ah, oh, yes, I think we're running low on cooking wine. And he gives it, you know, they bring it to the kitchen, never to be t- tasted by, uh, by uh, the, the refined palates of, of the guests at the party. They'll cook with it. You and I, in Jesus Christ, are heirs of an extravagant inheritance. We're heirs. In Jesus Christ, you and I are beneficiaries of of this wonderful inheritance that is ours through Jesus Christ, who has called us his own and is calling the world to himself through us. And here's the thing about being an heir. There isn't a way to buy in I can't approach Warren Buffett and say, hey, what would you think about adopting me? That's not how, that's not how it works. Heirs are heirs because they're sons and daughters. And you and I, through our faith in Jesus Christ, are called heirs. It's not something that um, we are, heirs, Warren Buffett's children, they won the genetic lottery, right? And as heirs of Jesus Christ, it's not a genetic lottery that we win, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into that vine and we are part of this rich inheritance. That's our starting point. That's our starting point, is, is, is knowing that we are in Jesus Christ, that we are wealthy beyond all magic, not with earthly riches, but with a spiritual inheritance. That's our starting point. So what do we who are lowly born What do we do with the gift of sonship in Jesus Christ? What do we do with our inheritance? That's what I'll be preaching on today. We are in our final week of our sermon series on our values as a diocese. On page two in your bulletins, you don't need to look there, but we have our values as a church. And in June, I preached on those five values uh, as a church. And just like those values, it's hard to separate out some of these values as a diocese. And that last week, Ryan preached on um, the idea that we are free to sacrifice. And that one is is really closely linked with this idea that we are focused on the salvation of others, that we who are beneficiaries of this great inheritance are ones, it's it's this limitless inheritance. We're trying to graft people into that vine. Because, like, what do you do? What, What do you do out of out of gratitude? All you can do is share in that. Just like it's kind of similar to our values as a church that in Christ we have a new identity. The old is past, and the new is here. And that, that, that old self, uh, with, with its shame or sin or, or identifying in this or that, we have this new identity in Jesus Christ that he has called us our own. And because we have a new identity, we have a new purpose. That's a separate value, but they're kind of related. That in Jesus Christ, we have a new purpose. So because we are free to sacrifice, we are f- able to be focused on the salvation of others. Like, that is a, a, a sacred vocation of each of us as Christians. So... Um, I got a chance to visit with someone a few weeks ago who shared with me his story, and it was a really remarkable story, and some of you are gonna grin uh, as you hear this story because you know this person. Um, I'm not gonna say the name of this person, but, I mean, don't look around and see who's grinning. Um, but exemplified, what we talk about here when we talk about um, being these, these rich inheritors, about last week's value of, of being free to sacrifice, Um, that sometimes we are so kingdom responsive that what we do is is considered worldly irresponsible. And I heard this story and I was just overwhelmed by how worldly irresponsible this was, that this person was kingdom responsive. And and this young man was a student, uh, a a physical therapy student um, in physical therapy school in a a professional program that was very expensive and that um, had this wonderful track into a very well-paying and lucrative profession. And he felt this odd call, not only to ministry but to youth ministry. And he left his he left school, um, and and like he had his years in uh, this school, which is totally worthless in the profession. So he paid tens of thousands of dollars for, for a school that was totally worthless as a as a youth pastor. Um, but he did it because like he was kingdom responsive. And everybody in the department was like, you're crazy. What, you're leaving school? Do you understand what you're giving up? Do you understand the debt that you'll have to repay, this tuition, Like, like you're leaving? That's like nobody had ever done that before. And I don't know if you know this, but ministry isn't quite that lucrative of a career. And I don't know if you know this, but youth ministry is even like, they're like the lowest of, like, of the low on the totem pole. And yet um, this person chose to do it. Amazing. It doesn't make any worldly sense. But this was a, this was a, um, a, a calling that God had put in his heart. And, and the way he described it to me, I loved it, because this, he's no longer working in ministry. He said, um, for a time I was on assignment, I'm always called to ministry. I'll always be called to ministry. God has given me gifts, and he's placed me in different places. I've always been and always will be called to ministry because I'm a child of God, and that's what we're called to. But for a while, for a season, I was on assignment. Each of us who calls ourselves a Christian, um, we have the sacred vocation, the new purpose of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Those of you who were at my home on Sunday night for the first uh, session of Walking the Resurrection Way, you heard me cite 2 Corinthians 5. I've mentioned it several times in church. It's this beautiful verse. This beautiful verse. And, and it's it's humbling to think that, that God uses us, this, these lowly born. You, you know, we're like, really? God, like you're so powerful, and yet you, you use us to reach the world? Yeah, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. Uh, Paul wrote, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Through us. We look around, we're like, us? Really? Who would listen to us? God is making his appeal through us. Sometimes this happens when we are consciously doing it. Sometimes it happens when we are not even, when ministry and, and sharing the good news is the furthest thing from our mind. This week, um, in, our, in our weekly resurrection email, I shared with you a link to our bishop preaching on this very value, uh, because it was a sermon that was so good. I'm like, I just want to share the whole thing, not just part of it, but I'll share part of it with you today. That um, He opened the sermon uh, w- with a, sharing a story about him sitting down on a plane. He's like, well, I, I travel a lot um, for, for work, and uh, you'd think if you know anything about him or know anything about anyone in the church, that he's excited. Um, some of you are outgoing and you've never met someone, you've met, never, uh, you actually look forward maybe to flying because like, you just have a new friend sitting there right next to you. Um, and he's like, no, I just want a time to myself. But as they exchanged pleasantries, it was clear that God was calling them to a very spiritual conversation. That through their discussion, that like suddenly, like one of the first things that she said had this like relational connection, that she was going to the same college that his brother went to, that she was um, studying the same thing that his brother at that college studied, and that she, in fact, wanted to be a part of this improv troupe that he had started. And he's like, God, I really wanted a nap. And here you have the spiritual conversation prepared for me. And she went on to share how her parents were going through a divorce. And he's like, when I was in college, my parents went through a divorce. He had no intention when he sat down in that seat of having a spiritual conversation with that person. But God gave him that nudge and said, "Um, that mercy that I showed you when you were dealing with your parents' divorce, um, you are to share with her that God sometimes put us in situations and sometimes we just um, intentionally put ourselves in those situations. This conversation that our bishop had did not end with that young woman praying the sinner's prayer. But it ended up with her drawing closer to Jesus. What do I mean by that? We base all of our outreach on the premise that God does everything and we do something. God does everything, and we do something. That God had already started a conversation with that young woman, and God called Bishop Stewart to continue that conversation, to move her closer. And that God is placing people around her in her life to draw her even nearer. God does everything. We do something. God is already at work in the lives. God has already started a conversation with every person. And we sometimes get invited into a a deeper conversation with people. God is sometimes nudging us into deeper conversations where we get a chance to talk to people about how God has changed our lives. And sometimes we get to see someone who is not walking with Jesus. We get to see them begin to walk with Jesus. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of conversation that needs to be had to even um, gradually break down those barriers and to orient someone towards Jesus. There's a lot of hurt that the world has towards the church and towards Christians. And so we have a lot of work to do in even orienting someone a little bit closer to Jesus. We are doing our part in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christianity. We can do this without fear of failure. Why? Because God does everything and we do something. So we don't feel like, we don't need to feel the pressure that um, we need to win an argument or have a really clever presentation. Um, our five S's come from Acts chapter 2, and that was our New Testament reading today. I, I would have guessed over the last six weeks as we had the same reading, um, in that part of our service, you probably have it memorized. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That, yeah. um, the last verse, Acts 2.47, tells us, And the Lord added to their number day... By day, those who are being saved. Who added to their number? The Lord. Who added to their number? Was it the amazing graphics on their website? Was it their beautiful church building? Their attractive logo? Their music? Their coffee bar? The Lord. I mean, I could. I'm not. I mean, I'm not picking on any particular church. I'm just saying uh, we we try hard in all those departments. I I spent a lot of time thinking about our logo, but it's the Lord who added to their number. So I I liked how Ryan read the diocesan statement uh, on that value last week. So because it's a better, it's it's just an encapsulation of this value. You know, I'm sure they spent weeks like crafting this statement. So I'm going to read it to you this morning um, on this value of. focused on the salvation of others, that we are focused on the salvation of others. Here it is. As we have been saved, so we seek to invite everyone into a transforming relationship with Jesus and his church, proclaiming the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We deeply desire that the Lord will be drawing new believers to himself through her people. That's very intentional language. Her is the church. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Um, that's what the Bible teaches us. We welcome the newcomer. We multiply groups and plant churches. We love, we bless, and pray for unbelieving family members, neighbors, coworkers, and friends. All of this in order to invite everyone into a personal faith in Jesus and into the life of the church. This is what it means to be focused on the salvation of others. Each week, we gather here according to the pattern we see established in Acts chapter 2. We gather here for the apostles' teaching, for the fellowship, for the prayers, and for the breaking of the bread. We gather for God to feed us through the appointed means of his word and his sacrament of holy communion. But then at the end of the service, and I love how Dave jumped the gun last week. Did anyone notice that? It was this beautiful thing. He was just like jazzed. And I was like, it was funny, we were just talking about being a, a church filled with this Holy Spirit, right? And here he was, filled with the Holy Spirit. He, like, he, he couldn't wait to, to say, thanks be to God. <laughs> I loved it. Um, That's a very intentional part of our service, is that when the service is over, we don't just leave. We don't just leave. I say the blessing, and then we have what's called the dismissal. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. It's not goodbye, see you next week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord, that you are sent out into the world to be God's ambassadors to the world. So we gather here each Sunday to worship, to bless the Lord, and to receive his spiritual food. But we are sent out each week. We are sent out. Sent out with a job, with a, with a vocation, with a sacred vocation. What does this look like? Is God calling you to be that guy, like that super tedious person or or, or girl for that matter, Um, to be that super tedious person who's like always like awkwardly inserting inorganic stuff into the conversation? It's like, oh, speaking of this car that you're shopping for, have I told you about Jesus lately? (laughs) No, God is not calling you to be that person. God is not calling you to be tedious But we do live our life as sent ones, as ones sent out into the world with a purpose. As St. Peter wrote, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. To be prepared for when those conversations come up. So no, you're not saying, speaking of that, I've got some good news for you. You're not that guy. You're, you're waiting for the Lord to give you a nudge. Always be ready. You don't know when you have an opportunity for God uh, to nudge you into one of those spiritual conversations. And the rest of the verse that I just read to you, be ready to make a defense for the hope that isn't. The rest of the verse is very important. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. In this season in the church, I am convinced that the Lord is calling each of us to something a little bit deeper. For some of us, that means, for the first time, taking up the Bible and reading it every day. For some of us, this means praying daily and and actually having a pattern of it rather than um, when you're late for work, asking the Lord for some green lights. For, For each of us, it means changing our habits, getting out of our comfort zone, to intentionally put ourselves in places where we might encounter people who don't know the Lord. Does this mean that, um, this this might mean taking walks in your neighborhood on days um, when it's not snowing or raining. It actually looks like it's sunny out there. But like saying, I'm going to take a walk and prayerfully take my, like take a walk. And if someone's walking their dog, maybe I'll say hi to them and see where the conversation goes. Lord, are you preparing this person to have a spiritual conversation with me? If he's not, if, there's, um, if that person doesn't stop, you move on, right? I don't mean you walk up to them and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Or I remember being at the fair in a carny, um, and I mean that in the fullest sense, asking me uh, where my walk was with Jesus and just being really put off by it because I was really scared by the whole And again, I I don't mean to be judgy, but the whole dental, the oral, oral hygiene situation, I was a little freaked out and not ready to enter into a conversation about Jesus at the time. Just say a prayer beforehand, asking for the Holy Spirit's help in doing what he's called you to do. And then follow his lead. Has he invited, has he started a conversation? Or is it one of those, hey, that's a cute dog. Have a great day. Or... Has God pre- prepared that person to converse with you? Have you struggled to get past pleasantries or past comments on the weather? Move on. We're not looking to start conversations with people who are unreceptive, but God may have somebody ready and receptive for you, someone who He has prepared to listen to what you have to say. Above all else, though, be a friend and a neighbor in a world that is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. Simply being good friends and good neighbors is a powerful thing in our witness to the world. As I preached through our values in June, I talked about how um, uh, in one of our values, uh, we we talked about seeking the renewal of our community. We want to be so kingdom responsive that our neighbors may hear a criticism of Christianity at work and be like, that may be so about Christians but I know my neighbor. My neighbor's not like that. There's power in, in, in relationships, in loving relationships, in caring relationships to our friends and neighbors, those people who don't know the Lord. God is preparing them to hear his word through those relationships. During the offertory, um, Nathan is going to hand out a card to you. Uh, most Sundays, um, you bring your tithes and offerings to God. Today, God's going to give something back to. You. I'm just. Uh, I'm going to give something to you, not God. Um, but this this is a way for you to kind of pray through this. It's got a list of scriptures for you to to, to hear to hear about the heart of God who seeks out the world, um, and then a way for you to kind of reflect on that and like, where are you in all of this? And then to prayerfully say like like, what is God calling me to today? And I'll email this out as well. So if, if during the coffee hour afterwards, if, if you leave it somewhere, that's fine. But I want you to be able to have this in your hand, to prayerfully say, like, what is the Lord calling me to? Is the Lord calling me to have, once a week go on a walk and to see what the Lord has? To go on a prayer walk in my neighborhood, to pray for the Holy Spirit, to work in the lives of these people, and to even, like, maybe we're not even doing the work of outreach. Maybe we're just preparing the way through prayer. Maybe. But what is God calling you to? To, how is God calling you to use the places and the people that God has placed around you to, to be God's ambassadors to the world? Spend some time thinking to that, thinking about that and bring that to the Lord. And then pray for the Holy Spirit to move you, to transform your heart, to change your heart, to be like the heart of the Father. It's not often that we read an entire chapter out of the gospel, but today we did. We read all of Luke 15. And what is Luke 15? It is a story, uh, it is three parables about lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And what do we see? We see the heart of a father who rejoices at the finding of lost things, a God who loves lost people. Uh, How is God working to change your heart to be like the father's heart? The father who one poet called the hound of heaven isn't that a beautiful metaphor? The hound of heaven? What are hounds good at? Tracking and finding that God is the hound of heaven and God has worked hard to find you and to restore you. God wants to give you that heart, that heart to have an ache for those who are lost in this world. Or to unite our hearts with, with the Father who searches and searches and yearns for the lost son to return to him. So let us pray that we would have a heart for those that are lost, that we might be willing to sacrifice our lifestyle to seek them, and that we would be focused on the salvation of others.